How is one AFC South receiver's injury status sending ripples throughout the rest of the team? What new addition to an NFC East team is making waves in fantasy lineups? And is it time to fire up Chase Edmonds as a starter over some other struggling players on your squads? Plus the third place team owner in the FFPC main event, Juan Acosta. Hangs out with us to talk about the Falcons' wide receiver core, the rise of Chase Claypool, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Volkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson they got of the lesson. Things are hit for rich. Just cause it was right there in the dresser so easy. Pick me up, kiss me, and you squeeze me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. All of you bulkaholics and Ferreliacs, welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, as always, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to tell you whether we are buying into the Week 6 McCole Hardman hype. If you can still trust Dalton Schultz and Juan Acosta, will join us to talk about his third-place team in the FFPC main event. Uh, DeAndre Smith's uh, Week 6 role will be discussed as well. Antonio Brown's roster ability, and much more. I want to bring in uh, tonight's uh, co-host. Tonight, he, he's the pride of Louisville, ladies and gentlemen. Can't do any better than him. It's Farrell Elliott. Uh, Farrell, welcome in tonight, man. Always good to have you, dude. Thank you, Balky. It's great to be here. You know, we finally got week five over. It's good to talk about week six, huh? <laughs> Isn't that what we're saying, like, like throughout the whole thing? I don't know how your how your teams have been going, Farrell, this year. I've been doing something new this year. I've been doing something where I don't, you know, I I uh, I check, I, you know, I place my waivers, I check my team every single week, but then I don't look at live scoring at all. I just look at, you know, by and large, you know, how my squads are doing via whatever, you know, website I'm checking, NFL, ESPN, CBS, whatever, you know, FFPC, KFFSC, whatever it is. And then I don't actually look at how my team is doing until two, like, um, well, depending upon how the, how the um, schedule goes, Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. That's when I actually look how my individual teams are going. And I got to tell you, when I have this many teams, I'm actually liking checking my teams that way rather than looking at the live scoring of every single one of my teams. I would think that's a good way to go about it. You know, you have a feel 
or how your teams are doing. You're just always tempted to see where uh, the opposition is and what they have to play against you. Do you check the lineups of your opposition before the game starts? You know, that was one of, that was the other thing is I was, I would check that to like, I would say week one and week two, I did that. I, I looked at who I was going against, but then, you know, I, I just kind of lost, um, you know, who I was going against. I didn't, I didn't really want that feel anymore. I just wanted to, you know, cause you know who you're drafting, you know, who you're starting in your starting lineup. Right. And that was good enough for me. And I didn't really want to know who I was going up against because when I'm watching red zone or if, if there's a really good one o'clock um, game on, on Sunday, I'll, I'll be tuned into that and, and locked onto that. But I, I don't really want to know all, you know, every, I know who I drafted. I know who I started. That's good enough for me. I don't want to necessarily know There's nothing know better going than the pleasant it. surprise of rolling around on uh, Tuesday morning or sometime after the Monday night game and seeing that you've thrown up a 200 balky. So, yeah, if you, can, if you have <laughs> that kind of, of staying power, now I can't get there. I, about the 4 o'clock games, I'm always dying to take a look. I, so I can avoid it for the first group of games, but by 4 o'clock I'm, I'm glancing at it quite often and uh, – trying to figure it out, and it, it, I find that very enjoyable. Of course, you're a much more volume player than I am, so probably if I was playing as many teams as you are, I would be in that same situation. I'll tell you, the uh, the FFPC website, which allows us to push the button that says manage all leagues, you say, do I, how many times do I have that player playing? And you manage all leagues. That's a great, great functionality of the website. We have it in the KFFSC, too, and so that's – well, when I have some questions, instead of going and looking around all the rosters, I, I usually manage all leagues, and, and I'm, I'm hitting that button often after the uh, 4 o'clock game start. I, I'm telling you, Sunday morning, when, when I'm checking, like when I have to submit like my final, and then now this week we didn't have a Thursday night football game, Farrell. So now Sunday morning, that will be like the first official time I'm submitting my lineups, you know, to, for good. That manage all lineups sure. on com. that guy that is so tremendous. And I'm going to tell you what wasn't tremendous this past week. Um, I was with my wife. I was with both my kids. And we ended up going to um, – uh, we, we went horseback riding. Uh, first time I've ever done this in my life, um, where we went on like an hour-long horseback ride. I have never gone horseback riding where it's like, you know, um, where I'm – like I could have led my horse, yeah. you know, left, right, frontwards, backwards. It was, it was insane. But the thing they said was, you cannot go on your phone while you're on top of this horse. And it was driving me bad because it was a Sunday afternoon. And so all I wanted to do was check, oh, who just scored this touchdown? Who scored that? Because I, I had it, I have my phone hooked up to my Fitbit, and I could flip my Fitbit on to get score updates oh, you know, wow. on, my, on my wrist. But I couldn't, I couldn't look to see how many catches this guy had, how many yards this guy had, you know, who scored this touchdown or whatever. And so when we finally got done with the horseback ride, I, I, I was on my phone for like a solid 40 minutes catching up on everything that had gone on on Sunday afternoon. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, you, I'll probably go sport. You can't text on, horse, you know, on horseback. You no, know, your you old can't. pal Don Erickson always told me that you always wanted to be a cowboy. So, you know, that, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me that you were spending your Sunday afternoon saddled up on horseback. Go right ahead. Yes. Exactly right, and that's where I was on Sunday. On Friday night, totally different story. Coming up on tonight's show, uh, we got a bunch, a bunch of stuff to to be talking about. Juan Acosta is going to be joining us. Shout out to the chat room right now. You can feel free to post any questions you might have in there for us. 
You can follow Farrell on Twitter at Elliott. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman. Uh, and if you have any questions for us or for one, now is the time to send them. We're going to do our best to get to all the questions, tweets, and emails in the Fantasy Feedback segment later on in the show. I want to thank our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA if you want to give us a call tonight. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where to reach us. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before we get to Juan Acosta, who's going to be coming up in about seven minutes on the show, I want to thank football guys. I want to thank Draft Sharks. I want to thank Roto World and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. It was the biggest night, uh, biggest news of the week, daytime, nighttime, anything. What was going on this week in fantasy football? It was Le'Veon Bill, former number one overall fantasy pick, switching teams midseason tonight. In fact, the Kansas City Chiefs, are the team that signed him, formerly of the Jets, on a one-year contract. Now, according uh, to um, Adam Schefter, according to NFL.com, CBS Sports, ESPN, everybody, it is an incentive-laden deal that Le'Veon Bell signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, according to the uh, NFL's COVID-19 protocols, Le'Veon Bell can't officially sign with the Kansas City Chiefs until he passes those those tests. Um, but once he does, he will become a chief and uh, get ready uh, to take on the Broncos next week in week seven. Uh, the question is, how does the workload split between Le'Veon Bell, uh, Darrell Williams, Darwin Thompson, and, of course, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? The number 32 overall pick, Edwards-Hilaire, had a great week one, Farrell. Uh, but since then, mm-hmm. it's been pretty bad. Like He hasn't gotten in the end zone. He hasn't done much of anything. And it's been frustrating uh, whether you own him and, and we're starting him in, in your hopes for him scoring these short yardage touchdowns uh, at the one or two yard line. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is probably going to be a big beneficiary of uh, signing with Kansas City in those situations. If Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the lead back in a Chiefs committee, uh, this is going to frustrate Le'Veon Bell. It, it's probably going to frustrate Edwards-Hilaire as well. And quite frankly, Edwards-Hilaire could go from being a top five running back to maybe a top 25 running back. This is a guy who is not just LaShawn McCoy. He is not Darrell Williams. As I said, he is not going to be Darwin Thompson. Le'Veon Bell is a complete difference maker for Kansas City. Uh, Andy Reid has shown um, a penchant for getting the best out of his running backs, and Le'Veon Bell could be the number one running back there and make Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a change-of-pace running back. Uh, your thoughts, Farrell, when you saw Le'Veon Bell signing with the Chiefs, how this affects not only Bell's fantasy value, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's fantasy value as well. I thought it was a great signing by the team. I thought it was a good decision by Le'Veon Bell. You know, he's from Miami. And here in COVID days and here in state taxes, uh, with, the kind of, with the kind of contract he has, it would have been easy for him to say, let me go home and let me be in Miami and let me be close to what I'm familiar with. But he made this decision to be a winner. That culture in that locker room, Balky, they're, they're not really going to tolerate people being dissatisfied with their role. That's not what the Kansas City Chiefs are about. They're a team that changes on a weekly basis with what they want to do and who they want to play with the design on winning. They've got an excellent tactician throughout the entire coaching staff, but especially with Andy Reid at the top. 
uh, veteran presence in the locker room versus some young guys that are accustomed to winning. They might have not a long resume, but they know how to win. So however this running back mix works, I think it's going to be to the benefit um, of, uh, of both players, the Clyde and the Bell Show. And I think that's what it's going to be. And they're going to both be uni- uniquely used uh, to, to keep Kansas City uh, a winning football team. Now, one of the things that we're seeing very early uh, in the in the quarterback, and what is different about Kansas City this year is they're not the uh, high-powered, long-striking offense. They're right in the middle of the pack and even trailing a lot of teams on plays over 20 yards. And uh, I think that in recognition of that, the adjustments that the defenses have made in the league, uh, we've now got a situation where we might see both these guys on the field together for some snaps, uh, one of them lining up in the slot, one of them going in motion. There's going to be enough to make both players very, very viable fantasy players. And, and the last thing I would say about it is if, if this was a different sort of team, um, then perhaps there would not be enough to go around. But if you take – uh, we all know how how Kansas City scored quickly last year. They would get behind in big, big games and come back and win them. I don't think it's the same kind of team this year, and I don't think they want it to be that same kind of team. With Bell and Hilaire moving the ball down the field, uh, your big plays will come more often in the red zone than outside of it. I think it's great for everyone involved, especially for the Bell owners. It's not going to hurt the Hilaire home, uh, owners as much as you might think. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too. Like, you think about if you're a defensive coordinator, and there's going to be several situations this year where you might have to step on the field and put your 11 best defenders out there and face Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Mikkel Hardman, Sammy Watkins, whatever, all on the same field at the same time. That is not easy. That is not something you want to face. And now Kansas City, you know, say what you will about how Le'Veon Bell is this late in his career – but as far as from an NFL standpoint, it is going to be uh, incredibly tough to stop the Kansas City Chiefs going forward, as Farrell just mentioned. Uh, the latest on DJ Chark, he is officially questionable for this week against the Detroit Lions. Chark did not do a lot in practice this week and could be a game-time decision. LaVisca Chenault, Keelan Cole, probably the biggest beneficiaries if uh, DJ Chark does indeed sit. Farrell, how does this affect your Jaguars, including Gardner Minshew? If Chark is out, does that make Minshew less desirable to start as a quarterback? Does it affect James Robinson at all uh, when you're looking at who to deploy against Detroit this week for a Jaguars team that, you know, whoever you start against the Lions, they should have a really good matchup. Yes, uh, Minshew is less of a quarterback without Chark on the field. However, in this matchup, um, it, it doesn't hurt as much as it does when when he previously uh, was not available. So I, I like uh, the wide receivers you mentioned, especially uh, Chenault. Um, Cole has been a steady Eddie, and he's very good around the goal line. He high points the ball. He makes some good catches. Uh, Minshew, uh, Minshew can live without DJ Shark for this week. If this becomes an ongoing thing, Minshew is not going to be the fantasy quarterback that that everyone that picked him off the waiver wire wants him to be. 
We have Juan Acosta, the third-place team in the FFPC main event, just around the quarter. Before we get tonight, I just want to bring this up. Deontay Johnson, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, officially has been ruled out for Sunday. You will not see Deontay Johnson going up catching passes for the Pittsburgh Steelers from Ben Roethlisberger this weekend as he uh, that back injury proved too much. So that uh, and we're going to talk to, to Juan about this. Chase Claypool caught four touchdowns last week. He is going to assume a bigger role. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to play a big role in that Pittsburgh offense as well. So here's the question, Farrell. Uh, you got Claypool as far as, um, you know, what you wanted to deploy in your lineup probably uh, in a week where you had some issues with buys, um, either running back receiver or tight end. But now Claypool looking like a very, very attractive week six uh, option to start in your uh, lineups this weekend. If I start talking about Claypool right now, we'll never get to one. He'll he'll go stale <laughs> on hold waiting – to come on the line. Uh, I have 10 teams across the FFPC and football guys and main event. Claypool is on eight of them. And I, I, um, I was distraught when I could not get him on the other two. Um, we'll talk more about him in the show. I'll be anxious to see if Juan has him anywhere and if he played him last week. Yes, we, uh, this will be much like any fantasy, by the way, if you want to hear more about Chase Claypool and the Steelers passing attack, be sure to download the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week as I caught up with Brian Pakula, the leader in the FFPC main event after week four. We talked about that Steelers passing attack. We talked a lot of, uh, about a lot more. Rotoviz.com slash podcast is where to check that out. Uh, and uh, that's up right now. Uh, you don't have to wait for that one. It's a very, very good podcast, much like this one's going to be, especially after I bring in tonight's guest ladies and gentlemen he has enjoyed playing season-long fantasy football as well as dfs for the last three years he has respect and love for all the fantasy football players he goes against and fantasy football in general he also enjoys competing against the best in the world in the ffpc each and every week he's among the best of the best right now with his squad in the third place spot in the 2020 ffpc main event please welcome onto the show Juan Acosta. Juan, thanks so much for joining us this week, man. Hey guys, how are you guys doing? I'm I'm pleased doing, to be here. We're we're doing good. We're excited to have you, man. I mean, this is you know I I, I don't want to. We always try to get somebody who's either on top of the football guys players championship or near the 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 top of the leaderboard, near the top of the FFPC main event to have the third place owner in the FFPC main event is very exciting. And, and Juan, I know you've been playing the last couple of years, just real quick to see your name up at the top of the leaderboard mm-hmm. here. And granted it's, it's, it's still mid October. How exciting is that to see your squad up there and, and know that you've managed the team nearly to the top of the mountaintop. It's been crazy. Like the last three years on FFPC and realistically, like I've been getting my ass kicked and seeing it like this year, <laughs> the main event, I was just like, yeah, that's pretty cool to see. But, you know, that comes with um, some luck. And, you know, obviously there's been some health issues with a lot of players around the league. But, you know, I'll take it for now. It's, it's really nice to see right now. Juan, well, it's a game and, of and skill, and you make your own luck, and you've been doing it doing it very well. Congratulations. You've moved in. Somebody else has got to move you out. So uh, you better claim it <laughs> because you may just keep playing it week in, week out. Yeah, for sure. I'll take it. I'll take it right now. 
And, and Juan, you know, I, I don't mean to, to undersell this, too, because not only do you have the third-place team in the FFBC main event, I looked at your football guys' teams. You have a ton of undefeated squads. You have a ton of 4-1 and one teams so far in 2020. It, it's been weird because, well, while a lot of teams have been reeling with the schedule changes because of COVID and, and what have you, um, you've been thriving on it. I mean, you've been very, very successful so far this season. How have you been uh, been able to squeeze so much success in, in a year where a lot of teams have, have not been able to do that? It's been such a weird year, and specifically with my squads, I've been pretty lucky. I haven't hit the injury bug real bad. So, like, on my main event team, though, like, so I have Alvin Kamara, and this is the side I want to talk about the luck. So that day, that was the day that the news came out that the Saints were open to trading him. And when I first saw it, saw it I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty interesting. Um, a couple hours later, that's when it was draft time, and you know, I see CMC go off the board, Saquon go off the board, Zeke and CH, and I was like, okay, that's pretty normal. Then I see the big dog, Derrick Henry, get taken, and then I'm like, okay, Alvin Kamara's not taken off the board. That's that's interesting. Because even though if they were to trade him, to whoever team they were going to trade him to, he was going to be a number one running back, right? So they're open to, you know, what they were saying, the first round, whatever it was. But anyhow, like, I see Michael Thomas, and I'm like, holy cow, like, this is, okay, this happened with Alvin Kamara in the ninth spot <laughs> in the main event. And it just landed to me, and I was just like, holy wow. cow. So from there, um, you know, I made it a priority to, to jump on Aaron Jones, and then from from there, uh, you know, to, uh, get on top of the wide receiver because from rounds three through seven, as you guys know, it's pretty deep for wide receivers. So I was pretty lucky. But, you know, with the 5-0 and o teams, the 4-1 and one teams, like, I've been pretty fortunate. I think with Mike Davis, too, um, that was a pretty lucky pick, too, on the waiver. Um, not, you know, knowing if CMC was going to get hurt. And, you know, unfortunately, well, that, it, it that's happened. What, that's what I wanted to ask you about, Juan, because, you know, you say that – you say this is a weird year, and your previous years haven't been satisfactory. So, so my team slogan for you is "Keep One Weird," and you know <laughs> you went out and did something that was a little bit. And, and I think you benefited from something because it's it's become passe, it's become old fashioned uh, for people to handcuff running backs. And so, if you had McCaffrey, uh, you did you didn't picture Mike Davis doing this. You went out and grabbed Mike Davis. So I just learned on the waiver wire, um, because he was not handcuffed, uh, what prompted you to do that? There was a lot of buzz in training camp um, about Mike Davis, how he was looking. He was he looked pissed off while he was running. He he was running really good routes. The the thing that sold me the most was Joe Brady, um, having him come in from LSU and just seeing that offense in college football, and that gave me some positivity, um, some optimism that, you know, perhaps there might be something, if something were to happen to CMC, and I think it was week one, I picked up CMC, or uh, Mike Davis and all of my leads, and, you know, I've been lucky to have him, and it's been a great pickup, and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, Mike Davis has an opportunity to still uh, have some of that workload when CMC gets back, but that's kind of hard to see, though, but, you know, this is a contract. Oh, I, I thank you Mike for Davis. seeing it. I, I definitely thank you for see it going forward. You've got a guy here that scored 90.6 uh, fantasy points in the FFPC. He's caught 30 balls alone, two of them for touchdowns. Uh, he'll find a role with Teddy Bridgewater and the rest of the boys. And uh, congratulations to you. What a, what, a, what a great job of early waiver wire. I, I see a lot of guys with 
with uh, most of their budget intact, and I think about some of the great labor wire pickups that they have missed out on. No one has, uh, no one's doing a better job of it than one. Congratulations. Well, I think you yeah, picking up Chase awesome. will run. What'd you say? Ten out of eleven uh, teams you said, Farrell, that you have Chase. Uh, ten, eight of ten. Yeah, that's nice pretty work. good. <laughs> I slept on that one. In <laughs> fact, I, I, in, in my leagues, I didn't pick him up, and I'm now kicking myself now. When I see Claypool, like man, I don't know if it's just me, but my eye test says he reminds me a lot of Calvin Johnson, and I don't know if it's just. You know, me looking too deep into that, but he is an athlete. What a what a pickup! No, it's the same. It's the same measurables. And when I saw him in college, uh, I said the same thing. So you know, you and I are you and I are seeing the same set of eyes, but great. That's good for you. Okay, so this great. is this is interesting one. I know you. I want to ask you about those Steelers receivers right before. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to talk to you about Russell Wilson and Cam Newton here shortly. But before we get into that. Um, let, let's talk briefly about the, the, the Steelers passing game situation. Deontay Johnson has officially been ruled out. He will not be playing this Sunday. Uh, ben Roethlisberger will be passing to Juju Smith-Schuster. He will be passing to Chase Claypool. Claypool is not going to catch four touchdowns each and every week. However, he made his dent in that Steelers passing game situation. For the remainder of 2020, who would you rather have? The struggling Smith-Schuster, who is and who we thought was going to be the number one receiver in this offense, or would you rather have Chase Claypool for the rest of the way? How do you assess that? So that's a very interesting situation in Pittsburgh. So Juju, he's playing on a contract here. Claypool and Deontay are the very, or they're the young pups there in Pittsburgh. When I look at this whole situation, I could see Pittsburgh um, perhaps maybe um, give them more um, targets to um, um, Claypool and Deontay and perhaps maybe Juju might be in a, in a different uniform next year but that all depends but right now the way it's looking in Pittsburgh I, I'd definitely say Claypool over Juju right now and I'm kind of kicking myself for not picking him up in the waivers on the waivers right now so. Farrell do you fall in on that same on that same line of thinking would you rather be uh, you know having Claypool just, uh, deployed in your starting lineup the rest of the way in 2020 over Smith Schuster it's a trick question. It's a difficult question, but on, the, on just on just evaluating that, yes, Claypool has proven to be the explosive player. He's six four, two hundred and forty pounds. Jumped out of the building again in Indianapolis, forty inch vertical. Let's talk about all the receivers that everyone was excited about as we uh, gathered for the draft in Las Vegas. Uh, all of them are smaller. Most of them are slower uh, than this ball player. And um, but the reason I think it's a it's a difficult question to answer is is I can foresee uh, what Juju Smith Schuster is going to be with Claypool in the lineup. And it's going to raise his game significantly. It's going to open passing lanes for him. These guys are going to be the one-two punch uh, that I think Juju needs to be successful to return to some of the success that he had uh, with Antonio Brown. Now Claypool's not Antonio Brown; he's a much different player. But, um, you know, I, I, I looked at this guy, and, and it's, it's so cool that Juan sees this player as Calvin Johnson because when we walked around at the combine and talked to scouts, scouts are talking about this guy playing tight end. I said, these are the same guys that would buy uh, Wagyu Japanese beef and, and mix it with some ground chuck and, and cook it well done <laughs> on the grill. These, 
it, this is this can't you just can't people couldn't see this and so guys what my what my plan was is I circled the I circled the bye week for Pittsburgh because I thought Claypool would be an emerging player that could help me through the playoffs. Then they got a new bye week, and I sort of lost sight of that. Um, but, uh, no, he's not going to score four touchdowns, but he's going to wreak havoc in this situation. If you think he's not going to get the touches, you'd be well mistaken. You know, three jet sweeps, one of them for a touchdown. The most impressive touchdown that he had was in that quad box that they put down by the goal line. Uh, Philadelphia defense was clueless as to where that was going. And Claypool just, uh, Claypool just took the uh, the pass from Big Ben and walked in the end zone. This has got a fascinating new element to to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's let's face it, they had one game previous this year where he put up 17 points. So this is not to be unexpected that he could be a big point scorer in this lineup. You know, and the other thing to keep in mind, by the way, we're talking to Juan Acosta, the uh, third-place team in the FFPC main event here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. A lot of people have said, well, there's nobody better. There's no team in NFL hit in recent history in the NFL that has unearthed good receivers in the NFL draft like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, that's true, but they've, they've had a couple of busts, too. Lima Swede uh, was, was not great. Sammy Coates wasn't great. So the Steelers have had their misses. They've also had their hits. And Chase Claypool right now looks like a hit uh, here as we go forward in the 2020 season and beyond as far as his tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to shift the conversation, Juan, from wide receiver to quarterback. Now, everything we've heard this week in regards to this Patriots-Broncos game, we know the New England Patriots had a positive uh, COVID test. We know that there's another one that they're investigating as of right now. However, Adam Schefter reported this afternoon that um, the, the, the Broncos have been expected to play and prepare as if they will be facing the New England Patriots in week six, whether that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'm not sure. But as, as everything we know suggests that the Patriots and Broncos will, playing, uh, will be playing this week. So you look at the situation you have on this third-place FFPC main event uh, team, you got Cam Newton in there. Your only other uh, quarterback right now is Russell Wilson, who's actually on a bye how confident are you that Cam Newton is not only going to have his Patriots play this week, but Cam Newton will be in the starting lineup? Um, or are you placing some contingency bids uh, to grab another quarterback before week six concludes? Yeah, I mean, most of Thursday, he got activated from the COVID-19 list. Um, I know Belichick hasn't confirmed yet he's going to be the starter, but I'm pretty confident. I don't see the Patriots moving forward with Stidham or whoever they decide to. I think, you know, Newton does play. Um, he's going to have a massive ceiling against the Broncos. They've just been decimated by injuries, and um, this is a smash spot for him, I think. But I'm I'm pretty confident there might be some contingency plans, but I don't see anything imminent unless you know something does change. You might you know who knows? Like we might hear something different tomorrow that they may not even play or move to a different day. But I'm I'm pretty confident that he's going to suit up for this game. Yeah, and that's the great thing about it too is is you have the the, the um, contingency of you know not only waiting tonight but you can wait all day tomorrow and then Sunday morning we should know. I mean they are scheduled to be playing Sunday afternoon and if need be you can place the uh, the waiver claim on a, a different quarterback on Sunday morning to make sure you get somebody in there whoever it is whether it's Cam Newton or somebody else. But Farrell quarterback is not where the center of the fantasy football universe was this week it was at the running back position and it was at it was with a former number one overall fantasy pick 
switching from the Jets to the Chiefs this week, man. It was a, it was a, we we talked about it a little bit Juan, before you joined us, and I'd like to get your view on it. Um, it what how does Bell affect you? Uh, do you have him on your team? Uh, do you have any of the other Chiefs? What do you see with this movement of a very high profile player now joining uh, the most prolific offensive team in the league? Yeah, when I saw that signing, I was like, well, there goes my DeAndre Washington pickup, my uh, Daryl Williams <laughs> on the bench. I was like, yeah, this is, this is a, it's a good situation for Le'Veon. Um, you know, before the season, um, I made a priority not to touch Le'Veon for the reasons that we know, being in New York and such. I don't, we obviously know, uh, know that that's not the right fit for him, but um, him coming to this offense, um, you know, obviously the last four games, CEH, I don't think he's eclipsed more than 65 yards, and he's been averaging four yards per carry. So it, it made sense why the Chiefs went this way, and then their backups haven't really done much. But at best, I think, you know, by the end of the year, um, Le'Veon Bell is going to have an imprint in, on this offense. And it's actually going to be kind of fun to see, too. And hopefully we see the old Le'Veon Bell and, you know, and seeing that offense go with him and the weapons he has around him. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool to see that. While the Jets yeah, are subtracting sure. running, while, while the Jets are subtracting running backs, guys, uh, the New York Giants are taking the benefit of uh, winning a lesser sweepstakes, the Devontae Freeman sweepstakes. And Devontae had a great uh, fantasy week last week, and he gets his real test this week against the Washington Football Club. Freeman uh, less exciting to talk about than Bell, but right now we're looking for a pretty big week from Freeman. Uh, you have uh, do, you, do you have a Freeman rostered anywhere around? Yeah, he's on my main event team. Um, so with Freeman, I think if the way I see it, I the next couple of weeks their, their schedule looks pretty tough. They got some pass rushing teams on the next coming weeks, and I think you know seeing that game last week is pretty promising. Um, I'm not really concerned about Coleman or Deion Lewis. I think the Giants. Um, going out in free agency and signing Freeman was for a reason. And I think um, moving forward, I could see him hit the top 25 with the next um, couple of weeks. And that, that, that's my take on it. I know there's some really good backs in front of him, but there's some backs in front of him too that are injured too. So, um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, seeing that from last week, from Devontae last week is promising the rest of the way. Talking with uh, Juan Acosta, the third-place team in the FFPC main event, heading here into week six of the NFL uh, football season. I want to, you know, just curiously, we we didn't get a chance to talk about this with, with Farrell and I at the, at the top of the show, but uh, I want to get back to that Chiefs offense here, Juan. Andy Reid um, said that Sammy Watkins is not going to hit injured reserves, but that also means he is probably not going to be playing in week six potentially not even in week seven. Adam Teicher, the ESPN reporter uh, for the Chiefs, uh, tweeted this out earlier today. Now, Watkins, um, he, he hurt his hamstring in week five. You, you probably were thinking he was not going to play this week anyway. Um, and then this opens two schools of thought. Is it McCole Hardman season, as the kids say? Um, or is Demarcus Robinson going to gum up the works here to make Hardman not a strong starter in week six? If you do need the flex play, if you do need the wide receiver play, Juan, would you be deploying McCole Hardman in your lineups uh, this weekend with no Watkins? Are you deploying Mark, uh, Demarcus Robinson, or are either neither one of those good plays for you this week? Yeah, I think that's a 
really good question, though. Um, knowing who who's going to be hot, if it's going to be Hill, if it's going to be Kelsey, it's going to be Ceh, and it might be Bell. Like who knows? But you know, it's really deep. Like if if I had an option of the two, it'd be kind of hard to do. But I would probably go with Hardman. Um, but then if I were to go to with Hardman, watch Robinson get a couple touchdowns. But it's really hard to choose who um, who's going to benefit in that offense. But it's really a coin flip. You know, you had said um, it, we were emailing with each other before the, the show uh, this week, uh, Juan. You said you've been playing not only season-long stuff with the FFPC the last three years, but you've been playing a lot of DFS. Um, how does DFS make you a better season-long player? And how does season-long make you a better DFS player when you consider what you're looking at each and every uh, week trying to get the best possible lineup out there? Yeah, so I think, you know, when going into the season with uh, season long and having the, um, some of that um, experience with DFS, so during the draft, you know, as we know that we got to aim for the ceiling, you know, aim for the players that have the highest ceiling. And that goes with, you know, DFS and tournament plays. So you got to, you know, have, have those players um, that have the highest ceiling um, and see um, what where that can get you. But obviously we know that, the draft doesn't ever go as planned, you know, always adapt to the plan, you know, as the draft goes right. But um, as far as, and, and a lot of my teams that I have that I stacked and DFS, you do a lot of stacking too. And um, obviously with my main event lineup, I have Russ and Tyler Locker, which, you know, the last couple of weeks, Locker hasn't um, been performed like he did at the beginning. It's kind of been spread out last couple of weeks, but uh, it's really opened my eyes as far as, you know, the, the ceiling aspect and some other, um, projections that I'll be looking at too that I've done in the past, so it, it's helped a lot. Um, Farrell, I just quick question for you too in regards to what Juan was just talking about with DFS and season long. Do you play any DFS? Does that help you make make you better a season a better season long player with the FFPC and wherever else you play in, in trying to achieve your best uh, with your with the teams you draft in the summer? I, f- I follow a couple of writers uh, and, and do pay attention to it, but I, d- I don't play it. Uh, I don't see it uh, as part of something that I want to get involved with because I love what we're doing in season long so much. I understand how it can make you a better player, um, but, you know, I, I think um, as a strategist, Juan, you're sitting in a, in a, in a beautiful situation. You're in third place. And I understand you have other teams doing well. You're in third place of a season-long event, and um, there's only so many hours in the week that you can uh, devote to this fabulous hobby. And so I, I'm encouraging you uh, to stay on the uh, my FFPC app and to <laughs> work uh, uh, to work your uh, uh, lineup and look into the future like you have so presently done with your pickup of Mike Davis. To look into the the future and study your matchups, uh, because I think that's where uh, I think that's where you are likely to strike gold uh, this year, and you're going to be very proud of it when you do. You I know, the other thing too, been... Juan. The, the other thing too, when we talk about striking gold, especially when you're this deep into the season, it's difficult to find difference makers off the waiver wire. You know that happens sometimes, especially at the running back position but it's difficult to find true gold mines on the waiver wire. I think you're keeping one on your team right now, and I want to get your thoughts on Antonio Brown because a lot of people have given up on him. 
Um, he is still not signed for the 2020 season. He's still on your roster. So tell me a little bit about why you think he could be a fantasy factor down the stretch for you in this third-place FFPC main event team. Yeah, that that one is a really good question, too, and I thought about that, too, because Antonio Brown, obviously, he still has – I mean, he's facing that suspension right now, and he could have some more um, coming to him. But, um, you know, when I drafted him, I was thinking, hey, there might be an easy team that, you know, if they get some injuries here and there or whatever, they, they might pick him up. But, um, you know, really, he's a, he's a wild card, so I don't know if it's just more of that um, wild card uh, aura that I have on that roster, but not sure yet, but, you know, that's – um, do I think he's going to play this year? I think it's pretty slim, but, um, you know, there, there, there might be a chance that he does. And if he does, then it might pay off. It's Bucky, one, one, one beating everybody with uh, 19 versus their 20. I think everyone said a fond farewell to Antonio Brown. He should be honored that he's on this roster. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, and think about the upside, too. You know, who are you picking up off the waiver wire right now that has the the type of ceiling? that Antonio Brown has. And when you couple, you know, the fact that, that uh, Juan is, is in third place in the FFPC main event right now, and, and he's got Antonio Brown in his roster, you know, he hasn't had to deploy him yet. And if he ever finds himself in a situation where you could play Antonio Brown down the stretch and you think about his upside, uh, certainly it's, it, it's, it's very, very intriguing to see how high this team can fly uh, when it comes down to it in December. Um, Juan, I have three questions left for you tonight before we let you go. The first one, uh, before we get to the emails, the first one is from the chat room. It is Wasp Guy. Uh, He wants to know who will settle in as the lead running back for the Los Angeles Rams for the remainder of the 2020 season. Three choices here. You got Daryl Henderson. You got Malcolm Brown. You got Cam Akers. Who are you putting your chips on for the the Rams running back that you want to own for the remainder of this year? There for a minute, I thought it was going to be Daryl Henderson a couple of weeks ago, then ended up being like Malcolm Brown. But I really think that Cam Akers eventually is going to get enough time to – that's going to be his uh, his backfield. But if I were to choose one of those three, it would be Cam Akers. Farrell, are you in agreement with that? you think it's Cam Akers the rest of the season? Um, I think it's um... – <laughs> That's that's a long answer, and I want to get to the other questions with Juan, but I noticed something that's happening, and later on in the show, if we have time to talk about it, Balky, I want to go back to November 25th, 2019, because I think I've discovered the difference between this year's Rams and last year's Rams, and I'd like to share it to you. It's going to be a different situation every week, and uh, all three of them do have scoring potential, and that's not a cop-out. Um, I think it's a true fact. And uh, Akers, uh, some people would call him the odd man out. He could easily be the player uh, this weekend against 49ers. Yeah, he very well could be. And and I do want – you're right. I want, I want to get your thoughts on that. But while we do have Juan uh, on the line, I got two emails from listeners this week that I do want to for sure get to. And the first one is from Jeff in Troy, Michigan. Uh, he writes, hey, Juan, if Julio Jones doesn't play on Sunday, is there any other receiver in Atlanta worth playing like Russell Gage, like Olamide Zacchaeus, or someone else? Great job in the FFPC so far. That is Jeff in Troy, Michigan. Now, what we found out today, I think this email came in on like Tuesday or Wednesday, but what we found out today was that Julio Jones is expected to be active. So, Juan, let me reframe this uh, question for you. Is it just as simple as, okay, Julio Jones is active, you got to play him? Or is there fantasy uh, goodness from maybe another receiver on this roster, be it Hurst 
uh, at the tight end position, Zacchaeus or Russell Gage. How do you assess this team uh, for Atlanta going uh, forward? Yeah, I mean, if Julio's active, like, you got to play him. You can't, you know, bench Julio. I mean, if he's going to be out in the field, you expect him to be a full go. Um, if, let's say if he wasn't in the scenario that he wasn't active, um, Hayden Hurst would probably be one, but even then I'd be kind of hesitant. But um, obviously you got to play uh, Calvin Ridley, but Zacchaeus and um, the other guys, um, I wouldn't feel really confident, though. But, yeah, all systems to go if uh, it, when Julio plays this week and – I wouldn't hesitate on that. That will help me, too, in a couple of my leagues where I do have Julio Jones on the bench right now. Maybe I will have to get him active and and look at the ceiling rather than the floor as I try to claw my way back up into the playoff picture (laughs) in some of my leagues. Final email here for you tonight. It's uh, Juan. It's from Mark in Stillwell, Oklahoma. He writes, what's up, Juan? Since Adrian Peterson is battling some kind of illness, does DeAndre Swift make for a nice play on Sunday even if AD is active. Thank you so much for the email. That is Mark in Stillwell, Oklahoma. And the latest we have on Peterson, as far as his practice goes, he did practice fully today, but he did miss practices both on Wednesday and Thursday. It's a Jacksonville run defense that certainly hasn't been a bunch of world beaters. And uh, the, the, um, the Jaguars opponents have averaged nearly 30 rush attempts per game this season. That is top 10 in the NFL. Does DeAndre Swift make it into any of your lineups if you own him anywhere, Juan, or is it simply Peterson and um, nobody else? It it really depends on your lineup. Um, You know, if you're pretty deep, um, you know, with other running backs, I'd probably look for other alternatives. I mean, it's just, you know, hard. I mean, Swift owners are really mad right now, but, uh, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough question. But um, if I had, if I'm slim slim on running backs, then, you know, that's, Let's give him, let's give him a go. Promising rookie after bye week is always a winning solution, guys. I'll put that in. No, they, that's a yeah, and 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 not only DeAndre Swift is a guy to be looking at this weekend. Perhaps AJ Dillon for the Packers too, a guy that's been sparingly used this week. Not saying you want to put him in your lineup for fantasy purposes against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but a guy who's been barely used. Uh, so far this season, we'll see what he does Sunday afternoon, because if he does work his way into the starting lineup or not in the starting lineup, but if he does work his way into significant touches, significant snaps for the Packers against Tampa this week, he is going to be a hot waiver wire pickup heading into week seven in the leagues that he was dropped in Uh, a guy that's been red hot all season, especially in the FFPC main event where he owns the third place team has been Juan Acosta. Juan, Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Certainly a pleasure talking to you, picking your brain in regards to fantasy. Good luck uh, the rest of the way, not just in the main event, but in all your leagues this year. Uh, It was a pleasure talking to you, and we'll talk to you again soon, dude. Hey, thanks, fellas. Keep up the good work. Good job. Thank you so much. That is Juan Acosta, the third-place team in the FFPC main event, joining us on the show this week. Um, Certainly uh, a team to follow going forward. Farrell, I, 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 I just realizing I didn't touch on this. He's only been playing in the FFPC for three short years and he's already third place overall in the FFPC main event. He is doing it the right way right now. He is. And I'd be interested in how much fantasy football he played before he came to us in the FFPC. I sometimes think a lot of guys that don't have a big backlog of playing in different leagues can sometimes uh, do better. They don't have any, uh, 
They don't have any crap in their head that they need to get out about what they think they don't know. So you bring an intelligent young guy like that into the room, he's going to do well if he's exposed mainly to FFPC play. Um, he does. Uh, you know, whatever it takes um, to, to be up there, he's been doing it right now. I think after week four, he was in second place, found a way to still stay in the top three after week five. So he is doing it the right way right now. We have a bunch of emails that I want to get to, Farrell, from, from listeners. But before we do, I just want to touch on this real quick. Odell Beckham is listed officially listed as questionable for week six against the Steelers. Yesterday, the Browns sent him home uh, from practice with an illness. However, it was confirmed that it was non-COVID related, but he can't come back to the Browns until he tests negative for two consecutive days. Now, if he does uh, test negative uh, uh, tomorrow, you would think that, that he will be act on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Um, but I think this is a situation that bears watching. If he is indeed um, inactive for Sunday's game against Pittsburgh, um, can you play anybody besides Jarvis Landry? Uh, how do you feel about Austin Hooper? How do you feel about Harrison Bryant? How do you feel about the rest of the Browns' pass catchers on Sunday if Beckham does sit? I don't like any of them. I watched Jarvis Landry have a decent little game last week, and then uh, I saw him drop back-to-back passes. I don't like anything about this uh, about the uh, the Browns' passing game. And uh, the only thing you like about it is Odell Beckham. And I don't think this is anything other than the guy got sent home. He's got these difficult protocols to overcome. But it, that's okay because we're now having game day testing in the NFL, so we've got to get used to uh, multiple tests uh, all the time. So, yeah, everyone, everyone has to test negative uh, to stay on the field. He has to test negative twice to get back in the building. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's really going to hurt. Odell Beckham, that he doesn't get much practice or prep time. I think he'll be ready to play. Farrell, how do you how do you normally feel about Odell Beckham just in, as far as a fantasy goes? You know, because this is a guy lit the world on fire um, in his the early part of his career at the Giants, failed to capture uh, the magic so far since then. Uh, it, is Beckham a guy that you own a, a lot? Because, I mean, I own him in like maybe two spots. I've never been all that in, intrigued with him or excited about him, um, but I have seen the talent before, and that was worth taking a risk for me and some of my teams, but not a lot of them. How do you feel about Beckham? Are you a Beckham guy? No, I, I rarely draft him. I think I've had him once during his career, and I had him at the wrong time, a down year. He is um, a fantastic football player. He is entertaining to watch. I'm not telling anybody anything that – they don't know, and and people that love that kind of player can flock to him. I think there's, uh, you know, we used to chide Randy Moss for taking plays off. Uh, I think this player sometimes takes quarters off. He gets out of the game. I'm not <laughs> upset that my quarterback is uh, yelling at other players on the bench. People are talking about Tom Brady yelling at uh, his Tampa Bay teammates. What's new? Tom Brady has been yelling at players for years. I think he was yelling at players even when he was backing up Bledsoe. But I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I've got the sideline, uh, the sideline uh, histrionics that he gets involved with, the activities uh, that he has, and, and I don't know the player. He's he's one of the guys in the league that I've never met, never spent any time with. But I'm sure if I did meet him, I would absolutely like him. I'm sure he's an engaging guy. Uh, you know, he's a competitor. He competes his own way. 
for fantasy football purposes, I'm looking somewhere else, especially with the draft capital you got to spend to get it. Um, uh, let's let's answer a couple of emails here that uh, before we sign off. We got about nine minutes left in the show. We'll get through as many of these as we can. This first one is from Bill in Saugus, California. I picked up Kirk Cousins on the wire Wednesday night since I knew I wouldn't have Breeze this week. Should I start him over Tom Brady though? Thanks so much. That is Bill in Saugus, California. Bill, thanks so much for the email. So right now, as, as we look at this uh, situation, and, and I should have had this up, and uh, in, in my apologies that I don't um, have the schedule up right now, but I'm going to bring it up right now. As far as uh, these guys go this week between uh, Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady, we know that Brady hosts the Green Bay Packers on Sunday afternoon. Um, and then you look at Kirk Cousins. He is also in action against the Atlanta Falcons. That game is in Minnesota. Farrell, if you own Cousins and Brady, would you be able to start Cousins over Brady, or are you still going with the GOAT? Oh, I can get to use my uh, Catholic upbringing here. Yeah, our emailer has already created the venial sin and is guilty of this uh, by, by putting Cousins on his team. Don't make a mortal sin uh, by putting Cousins in over Brady. The Packers have allowed... <laughs> 72% completion rate to these quarterbacks, Cousins, Stafford, Ryan, Breeze, all of them that have had their own struggles. Uh, the Packers have allowed multiple TD passes to everyone except Ryan this year. You're getting Brady in his own place, coming back from a very embarrassing Brady situation uh, last Thursday night where he – or Thursday night a week ago against the Bears where he was uh, embarrassed and, and where the team was embarrassed. They, they couldn't put together a win. Uh, I'm not going to bet against Brady, especially with a guy like Cousins uh, not coming back in a matchup uh, with with A.A. Rod to uh, show who is the, uh, the best veteran quarterback. Uh, no, you keep Brady in your lineup, you're going to be very happy. Uh, you have Packers 19 can passing points allowed. I expect Brady to light him up. And Brady gets uh, Brady gets uh, Goodwin back, too. Yeah, and that's that's a great point, Farrell, too, because, you know, as listeners of this show know, I, I have my uh, local talk show on, on Northeast Wisconsin uh, terrestrial radio waves here. Yo, people love uh, that show, Bucky. They love that show. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, and, and I'll tell you what, anybody who's been listening to it this week, uh, I, I've said, like, look, I know O.J. Howard is on IR with the torn Achilles. But this is as close as the Buccaneers have been to full firepower all season. You get Godwin and Evans, you know, ostensibly at 100%. We saw the emergence of Tyler Johnson last week against the Bears. He's going to be the number three receiver. You still have Cameron Bray, and you still have uh, Rob Gronkowski running uh, at the tight end position. Looks like Leonard Fournette is going to be good to go. And who led the NFL in rushing the last two weeks? Mm -hmm. It's been Ronald Jones. So you have a lot of playmakers on this Tampa team. They have never all been healthy at the same time like they will this week. Keep it simple, stupid. K-I-S-S, start Brady over Cousins. Don't mess around with it. Moving on to Dan in Patterson, New Jersey. He writes, how high are you guys on Chase Edmonds? High enough to start him over Devin Singletary this weekend? Thank you so much, Dan in Patterson, New Jersey. So, uh, the situation we have here, Farrell, in regards to uh, Chase Edmonds and Devin Singletary, Edmonds is actually going up against um, the uh, Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. That game is in Dallas. And then you have Devin Singletary also going on Monday 
he is hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. When it comes down to Edmonds versus Singletary, are you starting Edmonds over him, or is it still Singletary for you? Oh, Lord, no. Singletary had a terrible game with all the other Bills. He fell in line. In the chase position of the team getting beat, he had one catch for eight yards. Uh, Edmonds successfully rushed for 36 yards on three carries versus a beaten and defeated Jets team. Uh, he caught five of six passes, uh, a good contribution in a game that uh, Arizona had locked up early. There's no reason to start this player over Singletary. You spend draft capital on Singletary. Singletary will have to add numbers and be part of an offense to challenge the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't give up on one of your draft picks now. The other thing to keep in mind, too, on this is uh, Zach Moss is expected to be uh, healthy and playing in this game um, with uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I I have yeah, – we're going to get into Kenny and Drake here shortly, but I have lost a little bit of faith in, in Drake so far this season, and I'm really starting to like Edmonds. There's plenty of high-stakes players out there, too, that have sung the praises. You know, if you listen to the high-stakes lowdown on rotoviz.com a couple of weeks ago, Bob Riley says Chase Edmonds is a league winner and he has loaded up on him. Uh, while that may be the case, I don't know if I'm ready to deploy Edmonds with uh, an optimal scenario facing me this weekend. Uh, I think Edmonds is still more of a, of a bi-week flyer type guy. That's not to say he can't take over that Arizona job. I just don't think the time is now. So I'm with you. I'm playing Singletary over Evans this week. Now, that may change in week seven, but for week six, uh, that is the way I look at it. Paul in Hickory, North Carolina writes, Hey, Farrell and Balky, everyone in their mother keeps telling me I got to play McCole Hardman this week because of no Sammy Watkins. But isn't there a connection between Andy Dalton and Michael Gallup? Which receiver would you go with? You guys continue to be my favorite fantasy football pod. That is Paul in Hickory, North Carolina. Paul, we certainly appreciate the email and we appreciate the kind words. But, Farrell, when it comes down to answering this question, if you have to go with either Hardman or Gallup this week, who's it going to be? And we'll assume that Watkins is out for the purposes of this question. Oh, this is an easy answer. I, I like Hardman as a player, but uh, Gallup is a is a fascinating number three receiver. 17 catches on the year puts him in a rate to, to catch the mid-50s, but, but you know, all receptions are not equal here, Balky. We've got close to a 21-yard average for Gallup. He's run 71 goal routes in his route running this year. He's flying down the field. Dak doesn't have to throw the ball down the field. Dalton will, and he loves to do it. The Red Rifle, that's where he gets his nickname. I think he and, I think he and Gallup are going to be a natural situation. Everyone is going to to um, have to work with the new Dallas quarterback in a different way than then they worked with Dak. But the, the skill set uh, for Andy Dalton suggests that uh, Gallup is going to be a, an emerging player, and these big yardage catches uh, will continue with just maybe more touchdowns. Uh, you know, Arizona, if you ask anyone, you say uh, – uh, you know, who plays defense for the Arizona Cardinals? I'll tell you, Chandler Jones, not this week. Next up is Isaiah Simmons, the kid out of Clemson. He struggled. You would think that the Arizona wants to move um, Dalton off his spot, but I don't think they're going to be successful doing it. Uh, that ball is going to fly to Gallup, and it's, it's going to be fun to watch. 
Yeah, uh, Michael Gallup, by the way, had his second highest uh, total, uh, season uh, total for yardage last week with 73. That was after Prescott went down four catches for 73 yards. The only time this year he caught all four of his targets, so certainly something that bears watching. I I think it's easy for us to just do the lazy analysis by saying the Cowboys Cowboys, uh, pass catchers are all going to take um, uh, take a notch down this week going forward with Dalton over Prescott. I don't necessarily think that's the case, and I certainly don't think it's the case with Gallup. The other thing to keep in mind when making this decision, Gallup versus Hardman, how many times over the last two years have we seen Hardman with a golden opportunity to have a Bafo fantasy mm-hmm. matchup, and Demarcus Robinson comes in and gums up the whole works? And I think that could be the case <laughs> again this week where Demarcus Robinson comes in and catches four or five balls and kind of neuters Hardman's uh, ceiling. So I'm with you. I think it's Gallup over Hardman for sure. To- Tom, excuse me, not Tony. Tom in Albany, New York. What's up, Mike and Roland? Call me crazy, but I'm leaning towards Jimmy Graham over Tyler Higby for week six. Is that a decision you guys can get behind? Uh, this is interesting when you consider the tight end matchup and, and the tight end landscape right now. Jimmy Graham going up against the Carolina Panthers this week on the road. And then you have Tyler Higby going out west to take on the San Francisco 49ers fresh off a disappointing uh, effort, two catches for 12 years. And Farrell, his counterpart on that Rams offense, Gerald Everett catches four balls for 90 yards. Is that enough for you to make uh, for for you to want to start Jimmy Graham over Higby this week? How many minutes we have remaining, Bulky? We have uh, we, we're in overtime right now, so we'll squeeze in as oh, much as we can. Oh, we're already in overtime. I'm going to push. I'm going to push the envelope with overtime. You jump in and interrupt me whenever you can. I was talking about okay. November 25th, 2019. This is the Copycat League, and we had a. Uh, in that press conference, that was that was the night that the Ravens beat the Rams forty-five to six, and the head coach of the Rams, Coach McKay, he he talked a lot about how the uh, Ravens created conflict at uh, the line of scrimmage. And, and if you watch the Rams this year, what they are doing is is very much Raven-esque in the fact that they are putting players in motion right before, just a hair's breadth before the snap. And it's causing confusion with the defenders, and they're they're opening up a lot of running holes uh, you know, for their running backs. They're doing it all over the field. They're doing it um, inside the red zone and almost exclusively inside the 10-yard line. And I think that's what's happened to Tyler Higby. goes back to our earlier conversation uh, about uh, which running back can, can show for the rounds, uh, whichever one is on the field, and they're all going to play. And they're all going to be in a situation where they're getting the ball down around the goal line, which if you recall last year, that was a Tyler Higby thing. Uh, that was a Cooper Cup thing to get the plays around the goal line. And that's not happening. Tyler Higby, 17 targets. He's caught everything they've thrown in 15 catches. And people will think back to week two when he had three touchdowns. Uh, but that, that's going away from what the Rams are trying to do. And, yes, Gerald Everett with four receptions, 90 yards last week. That was another mix and play, creating havoc, creating conflict for the defense. Uh, Everett caught three of those passes, I believe, out of the backfield, uh, the biggest one. They had him in an eye formation lining up at fullback. Now, you take Graham. That, that, that's everything about Higby that I know. You take Graham who made this magnificent one-handed catch versus Tampa. And it, 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 Jimmy Graham looks like he's awake and wants to play football, and he's dealing with a quarterback that loves to feed him the ball. Now, they're going against Carolina. 
Carolina tempered uh, Waller, six catches, 45 yards. Henry was five for 50. Bucks did nothing against Carolina. Uh, but I'm, I'm leaning. I'm, I'm with Tom. I'm leaning uh, Jimmy Graham here, and, and I never would have thought that I would, <laughs> would have said that. The Bears are going to have to score against Carolina to keep up with them. And when they get in the red zone, uh, Foles will be looking for Jimmy Graham, and uh, the Los Angeles Rams are going to be handing that ball to those running backs. For the last three years, essentially, I have not referred to Jimmy Graham as Jimmy Graham. I've referred to him as the corpse of Jimmy Graham running around on the field, <laughs> especially when he was in Green Bay. Just could not. He failed to make a connection with one of the best quarterbacks in the game today. But for whatever reason, Farrell, like you pointed out, Nick Foles has unlocked something this year and uh, with Jimmy Graham, and he's looking like he's about six or seven years younger than what he looked like yes, uh, the last couple of years. So as weird as it's to say, and this is coming from a guy who drafted Higby in a couple of leagues this year, I'm playing Graham over Higby this week as well. I don't feel particularly great about it. I think it's close. I think, you should, as always, with any advice that we give on the show, always go with your gut but my gut is saying Graham over Higby in week six. Let's fly for these, uh, these last couple of emails here. Jeff in Cambridge, Massachusetts, excuse me. Which one of these guys should I bench this week? I'm kind of fed up with Kenyon Drake, and I do have Miles Gaskin and LaVisca Chenault available to start. Should I play both of them over Kenyon Drake? Thanks, Balky. Thanks, Farrell. Jeff in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thanks, Jeff, for your email and for listening. Uh, Farrell, can you do it? Can you start Chenault and Gaskin? over Drake this week? Uh, easy. There are all three similar point producers for this week, uh, but just based on uh, competition and game script. So uh, the Drake uh, has the tougher role, and we're already talking about every all the analysts that feel that uh, the other running back, Edmonds, is, is, getting, is going to get more play, and deservedly so. And I may be behind... Uh, uh, I, may, I may be behind the uh, script on that one, but I'm not about the, the two players. I spent some time looking at Gaskin. Gaskin looks like an explosive player, and uh, everyone in fantasy football is waiting uh, for Chenault, who has been successful. Chenault has been successful, should be more successful moving forward. Maybe uh, without Shark, he can step up even more this week. So, yeah, play him. Be happy with him. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is it's it's a smash matchup, you know, for taking on Detroit this week for Chenault at home. You would think he can put up some good numbers if he's healthy enough to do so. You know, it may come down to just if, if Chenault's inactive, then the decision's made for you. Uh, but if he is indeed active, I, I think that you could certainly make a case for starting him uh, over Kenyon Drake, especially with the emergence of Chase Edmonds uh, uh, this week. And then you make a good point about Gaskin as well. This is a situation where I think the Dolphins, the last time I checked, they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites over the Jets this wow. week. That is a game yeah. script that really, really favors uh, Gaskin and the Dolphins. So I, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Final question of the night from Glenn in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania. Tough decision for me and my football guys league this week. Should I keep rolling with T.Y. Hilton, or do I have to find a way to get Dalton Schultz in there despite the downgrade from Prescott? to the Red Rifle. That is Glenn in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania. So, Football Guys Players Championship, Farrell, obviously a tight end premium format, and you're looking at Dalton Schultz, uh, excuse me, Dalton Schultz at home, beg your pardon, against the Arizona Cardinals on Monday. You have T.Y. Hilton um, uh, going up against the Cincinnati Bengals this week at home. 
Both of these guys are in good matchups. Is the tight end premium scoring system enough for you to start Schultz over Hilton? Oh, my word. I thought we handled this one last week. Um, You know, we we had some things right last week, Balky. I have tempered my enthusiasm for Joshua Kelly, but I remain strong for the Charger running back on by. And, And we saw a 2020 seasonal top form ceiling game from T.Y. Hilton last week. Six catches for 69 yards. I don't know how he did it with the quarterback. You've got to keep T.Y. Hilton out of this lineup. (laughs) Because that's all he's going to give you. And you're not going to catch Juan Acosta or anyone else in the FFPC with 12.9 points from T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Short of a quarterback change in Indianapolis and a uh, recurrence of where Indianapolis plays uh, the Houston Texans because T.Y. Hilton is the official owner of the Houston Texans. Quarterback change and versus (laughs) the Texans. That's what you need to get T.Y. Hilton in your lineup. You're not going to beat anybody. With 12.9 points, that's what he had last week. That's the best he's ever going to do. Uh, the Schultz kid is, is a bit of a mystery. Uh, he looks like he's got soft hands. Uh, he looks like he can uh, get open. He is so far down the reeds. Uh, but this is a game where we've established the fact that we don't think he's going uh, that uh, the Red Rifle is going to suffer much from the pass rush. Dalton should be able to deliver the ball to the tight end, and I think that would be a veteran quarterback move is to make sure that everyone on this team uh, participates in it. So you're going up against the sixth best uh, uh, defense in the NFL versus the tight end. Arizona does have a solid linebacking core because they all look like safeties and they drop them in coverage. Um, you're – you're not going to win with 12.9 from Hilton. Schultz, Schultz has already had one outstanding game earlier this year. Uh, this is what I would roll the dice for. If these are your choices, Schultz is the man. Yeah, and, and Schultz, has been, I think his best game so far in 2020 came in a partial game where, where Blake Jarman went down and then Schultz stepped up and, and did a lot of damage for the Dallas Cowboys too. So I think there is a quite a bit of a ceiling. And to put it in, Farrell, you and I are agreeing a lot this week. To put a cap on it this week, the Bengals and Colts, that total is at 46.5. Colts are eight-point favorites, obviously a negative game script for T.Y. Hilton there. Monday Night Football, Arizona at Dallas. Dallas is a home dog in this game with a total of 55. So I think that it makes a lot of sense to get Schultz out there. And I know that's a little bit of lazy analysis, but it's also – um, you know, sort of the most obvious thing. You know, what what is what is it going to come down to if if it is this close for uh, for Glenn in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania? Go with the guy who's the underdog. Go with the guy whose uh, game is expected to score ten more points. It makes a lot of sense there. So I'm with you. Clay Schultz over Hilton. This is not your your older brother's T. Y. Hilton. This is the T. Y. Hilton of six or seven years <laughs> later. And I think you have to you have to um, take expectations and, and temper them a little bit. Uh, with Hilton. That is going to do it for our show this week. Farrell, always a pleasure, man. I will. Uh, I, I wish you good luck in all of your week six matchups, and uh, hopefully uh, the ball bounces your way. Enjoy this weekend's games. We'll talk to you next Friday, dude. Thank you, sir. See you then. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow on Twitter, at Elliott. You follow the KFFSC on Twitter, at KFFSC. Uh, certainly uh, fun stuff going on in that competition as well. Fun stuff going on on the show tonight. And I do want to thank Juan Acosta. I do want to thank Farrell Elliott. 
the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you. Don't forget, rotoviz.com slash podcast is where you can check out the latest Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. That is if you are not already subscribing to the podcast on uh, Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, the uh, the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with the Brian uh, the Prime excuse me Brian Pakula episode, the leader of the Week Four uh, FFPC main event. He and I talk a lot about fantasy football there. By the way, don't forget to check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship podcast with Farrell Elliott and Rob Fetcher, former guest of the show. New one came out this week. Uh, good stuff there. You can check that out on Spotify wherever you get your podcasts as well. Thank you so much to uh, Farrell, uh, Brian Pakula on the High Stakes Lowdown, Guanacosta. We will be back next week, 10-9 Central. This is an interesting one, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because we will be talking with John Laskowski and Christian Barney Newkirk, the leaders in the 2020 FFPC main event. Why is this interesting to me? It's interesting because I actually play in a private dynasty league with these guys, and they're going to be on the show next week. Can't wait to talk to them. That is Laskowski and Newkirk at 10-9 Central. Good luck in week six, ladies and gentlemen. I hope the ball bounces your way. And, of course, your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. As always, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank the Quiet Hollers and Frederick the Younger for tonight's intro and outro music. The intro uh, was uh, the Quiet Hollers. You can check out that song, Pressure, on their website, quiethollers.com, as well as wherever you download your music. And then, of course, High Alone by Frederick the Younger. Check them out, frederickthejunger.com, as well as uh, uh, Apple Music. And, uh, again, wherever you get your music, they're on Spotify as well. Thanks so much. Uh, to the Quiet Hollers, Frederick the Younger, uh, Farrell Elliott, uh, good show tonight. Very intriguing, uh, good stuff. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you all next Friday. Enjoy week uh, six, everybody. Can't believe it's week six already. Good, uh, good fantasy football season so far. Congratulations uh, for all of you rolling with all the, the COVID punches this week. Uh, you sure, certainly deserve a pat on the back uh, for, for putting up with everything you have. And uh, good luck this weekend. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Good night.